Chapter Seven of Just Patty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Just Patty by Jean Webster. Chapter Seven. Uncle Bobby. While Saint Ursula's was still dallying with a belated morning after Christmas breakfast. The mail arrived, bringing, among other matters, a letter for Patty from her mother. It contained cheering news as to Tommy's scarlet fever, and the expressed hope that school was not too lonely during the holidays. It ended with the statement that Mr. Robert Pendleton was going to be in the city on business, and had promised to run out to St. Ursula's to see her little daughter. The last item Patty read aloud to Harriet Gladden and Kid McCoy, christened Marguerite. The three left-behinds were occupying a table together in a secluded corner of the dining-room. "'Who's Mr. Robert Pendleton?' inquired Kid, looking up from her own letter. "'He used to be my father's private secretary when I was a little girl. I always called him Uncle Bobby.' Kid returned to her mail. She took no interest in the race of uncles, either real or fictitious, but Patty, being in a reminiscent mood, continued the conversation with Harriet, who had no mail to deflect her. Then he went away and commenced practicing for himself. It's been ages since I've seen him, but he was really awfully nice. He used to spend his entire time, when he wasn't writing father's speeches, in getting me out of scrapes. I had a goat named Billy Boy. Is he married? asked Harriet. No, I don't think so. I believe he had a disappointment in his youth that broke his heart. "'What fun!' cried Kid, re-emerging. "'Is it still broken?' "'I suppose so,' said Patty. "'How old is he?' "'I don't know, I'm sure. "'He must be quite old by now.' "'Her tone suggested that he was tottering on the brink of the grave. "'It has been seven years since I've seen him, "'and he was through college then.' "'Kid dismissed the subject.' Old men, even with broken hearts, contained no interest for her. That afternoon, as the three girls were gathered in Patty's room, enjoying an indigestible four o'clock tea of milk and bread and butter, furnished by the school, and fruit cake and candy and olives and stuffed prunes, the expressman arrived with a belated consignment of Christmas gifts, among them a long, narrow parcel addressed to Patty. She tore off the wrapping to find a note and a white pasteboard box. She read the note aloud while the others looked over her shoulder. Patty always generously shared experiences with anyone who might be near. My dear Patty, have you forgotten Uncle Bobby, who used to stand between you and many well-deserved spankings? I trust that you have grown into a very good girl now that you are old enough to go away to school. I am coming to see for myself on Thursday afternoon. In the meantime, please accept the accompanying Christmas remembrance, with the hope that you are having a happy holiday in spite of having to spend it away from home. Your old playfellow, Robert Pendleton. What do you suppose it is? asked Patty, as she addressed herself to unknotting the gold cord on the box. I hope it's either flowers or candy, Harriet returned. Miss Sally says it isn't proper to— Looks to me like American Beauty Roses, suggested Kid McCoy. Patty beamed. Isn't it a lark to be getting flowers from a man? 
I feel awfully grown up. She lifted the cover, removed a mass of tissue paper, and revealed a blue-eyed smiling doll. The three girls stared for a bewildered moment, then Patty slid to the floor and buried her head in her arms against the bed and laughed. "'It's got real hair,' said Harriet, gently lifting the doll from its bed of tissue paper and entering upon a detailed inspection. "'Its clothes come off and it opens and shuts its eyes.' "'Whoop!' shouted Kid McCoy as she snatched a shoehorn from the bureau and commenced an Indian war dance." Patty checked her hysterics sufficiently to rescue her new treasure from the danger of being scalped. As she squeezed the doll in her arms, safe from harm's way, it opened its lips and emitted a grateful, Mama! They laughed afresh. They laid on the floor and rolled in an ecstasy of mirth until they were weak and gasping. Could Uncle Bobby have witnessed the joy his gift brought to the three marooned St. Ursulites, he would have indeed been gratified. They continued to laugh all that day and the following morning. By afternoon, Patty had just recovered her self-control sufficiently to carry off with decent gravity Uncle Bobby's promised visit. As a usual thing, callers were discouraged at St. Ursula's. They must come from away, accredited with letters from the parents, and then must pass an alarming assemblage of chaperones. Miss Sally remained in the drawing-room during the first half of the call, which could last an hour, but then was supposed to withdraw. But Miss Sally was a social soul, and she frequently neglected to withdraw. The poor girl would sit silent in the corner, a smile upon her lips, mutiny in her heart, while Miss Sally entertained the caller. But the rules were somewhat relaxed in the holidays. On the day of Uncle Bobby's visit, by a fortuitous circumstance, Miss Sally was five miles away, superintending a new incubator house at the school farm. The Dowager and Miss Wadworth and Miss Jellings were scheduled for a reception in the village, and the other teachers were all away for the holidays. Patty was told to receive him herself, and to remember her manners, and let him do a little of the talking. This left her beautifully free to carry out the outrageous scheme that she had concocted overnight. Harriet and Kid lent their delighted assistance, and the three spent the morning planning for her entrance in character. They successfully looted the baby ward, where the fifteen little girls of the school occupied fifteen little white cots set in fifteen alcoves. A white, stiffly starched sailor suit was discovered, with a flaring blue linen collar and a kilted skirt, that was shockingly short. Kid McCoy gleefully unearthed a pair of blue and white socks that exactly matched the dress, but they proved very much too small. They wouldn't look well anyway, said Patty philosophically. I've got an awful scratch on one knee. Gymnasium slippers with spring heels reduced her five feet by an inch. She spent the early afternoon persuading her hair to hang in a row of curls, with a spanking blue bow over her left ear. When she was finished, she made as sweet a little girl as one would ever find romping in the park on a sunny morning. "'What will you do if he kisses you?' inquired Kid McCoy. "'I'll try not to laugh,' said Patty. She occupied the fifteen minutes of waiting in a dress rehearsal. By the time Maggie arrived with the tidings that the visitor was below, she had her part letter perfect— 
Kid and Harriet followed as far as the first landing, where they remained dangling over the banisters, while Patty shouldered her doll and descended to the drawing-room. She sidled bashfully into the door, dropped a curtsy, and extended a timid hand to the tall young gentleman, who rose and advanced to meet her. "'How do you do, Uncle Wobbert?' she lisped. "'Well, well, is this little Patty?' He took her by the chin and turned up her face for a closer inspection. Mr. Pundleton was, mercifully, somewhat near-sighted. She smiled back sweetly with wide, innocent baby eyes. "'You're getting to be a great big girl,' he pronounced with fatherly approval. "'You reach almost to my shoulder.' She settled herself far back in a deep leather chair, sat primly upright, her feet sticking straight out in front, while she clasped the doll in her arms. "'Thank you very much, Uncle Bobby, for my perfectly beautiful doll.' Patty imprinted a kiss upon the smiling bisque lips. Uncle Bobby watched with gratified approval. He liked this early manifestation of the motherly instinct. "'And what are you going to name her?' he inquired. "'I can't make up my mind,' she raised anxious eyes to his." How would Patty Jr. do? She repudiated the suggestion, and they finally determined upon Alice, after Alice in Wonderland. This point happily disposed of, they settled themselves for conversation. He told her about a Christmas pantomime he had seen in London, with little girls and boys for actors. Patty listened, deeply interested. I'll send you the fairy book that has a story of the play, he promised with colored pictures. And then you can read it for yourself. You know how to read, of course, he added. Oh, yes, said Patty reproachfully. I've known how to read for a long time. I can read anything, if it has big print. Well, you are coming on, said Uncle Bobby. They fell to reminiscing, and the conversation turned to Billy Boy. "'Do you remember the time he chewed up his rope and came to church?' Patty dimpled at the recollection. "'Jove, I'll never forget it.' "'And usually Favor found an excuse for not going, but that Sunday Mover made him, and when he saw Billy Boy marching up the aisle, with a sort of dignified smile on his face, Uncle Bobby threw back his head and laughed. "'I thought the judge would have a stroke of apoplexy,' he declared.' "'But the funniest thing,' said Patty, "'was to see you and Father trying to get him out. "'You pushed and Father pulled, "'and first Billy balked, and then he butted.' "'She suddenly realized that she had neglected to lisp, "'but Uncle Bobby was too taken up with the story "'to be conscious of any lapse. "'Patty inconspicuously resumed her character. "'And Favor scolded me because the rope broke, "'and it wasn't my fault at all.' she added with a pathetic quiver of the lips, and the next day he had Billy Boy shot. At the remembrance, Patty drooped her head over the doll in her arms. Uncle Bobby hastily offered comfort. Never mind, Patty. Maybe you'll have another goat some day. She shook her head with the suggestion of a sob. No, I never will. They don't let us keep goats here. "'And I loved Billy Boy. I'm awfully lonely without him.' "'There, there, Patty, you're too big a girl to cry. 
Uncle Bobby patted her curls with kindly solicitude. How would you like to go to the circus with me some day next week and see all the animals? Patty cheered up. Will there be elephants? she asked. There'll be several, he promised, and lions and tigers and camels. Oh, goody! She clapped her hands and smiled through her tears. I'd love to go. Thank you very, very much. Half an hour later, Patty rejoined her friends in Paradise Alley. She executed a few steps of the sailor's hornpipe with the doll as a partner, then plumped herself onto the middle of the bed and laughingly regarded her two companions through overhanging curls. Tell us what he said, Kid implored. We nearly pulled our necks out by the roots stretching over the banisters, but we couldn't hear a word. Did he kiss you? asked Harriet. No. There was a touch of regret in her tone. But he patted me on the head. He has a very sweet way with children. You'd think he'd had a course in kindergarten training. What did you talk about? insisted Kid eagerly. Patty outlined the conversation. And he's going to take me to the circus next Wednesday, she ended, to see the elephants. The dowager will never let you go, objected Harriet. Oh, yes, she will, said Patty. It's perfectly proper to go to the circus with your uncle, especially in vacation. We've got it all planned. I'm to go into town with Waddy. I heard her say she had an appointment at the dentist's, and he'll be at the station with a hansom. More likely a baby carriage, Kid put in quickly. Miss Wadsworth will never take you into town in those clothes, Harriet objected. Patty hugged her knees and rocked back and forth while her dimples came and went. I think, she said, that the next time I'll give him an entirely different kind of a sensation. And she did. Anticipatory of the coming event, she sent her suit to the tailor's and had him lengthen the hem of the skirt two inches. She spent an entire morning retrimming her hat along more mature lines, and she purchased a veil with spots. She also spent twenty-five cents for hairpins and did up her hair on the top of her head. She wore Kid McCoy's Christmas furs and Harriet's bracelet watch, and as she set off with a somewhat bewildered Miss Wadsworth, they assured her that she looked old. They reached the city a trifle late for Miss Wadsworth's appointment. Patty spied Mr. Pendleton across the waiting-room. "'There's Uncle Robert,' she said, and to her intense satisfaction, Miss Wadsworth left her to accost him alone. She sauntered over in a very blasé fashion and held out her hand. The spots in the veil seemed to dazzle him. For a moment he did not recognize her. "'Mr. Pendleton, how do you do?' Patty smiled cordially. It's really awfully good of you to devote so much time to my entertainment. And so original of you to think of a circus. I haven't attended a circus for years. It's really refreshing after such a dose of Shakespeare and Ibsen as the theatres have been offering this winter. Mr. Pendleton offered a limp hand and hailed a hansom without comment. He leaned back in the corner and continued to stare for three silent minutes. Then he threw back his head and laughed. "'Good Lord, Patty, do you mean to tell me that you've grown up?' Patty laughed, too. "'Well, Uncle Bobby, what do you think about it?' 
Dinner was half over that night before the two travelers returned. Patty dropped into her seat and unfolded her napkin with the weary air of a society woman of many engagements. "'What happened?' the other two clamored. "'Tell us about it. Was the circus nice?' Patty nodded. "'The circus was charming. And so were the elephants. And so was Uncle Bobby.' We had tea afterwards, and he gave me a bunch of violets and a box of candy instead of the fairy book. He said he wouldn't be called Uncle Bobby by anyone as old as me, that I'd got to drop the uncle. It's funny, you know, but he really seems younger than he did seven years ago. Patty dimpled and cast a wary eye toward the faculty table across the room. He says he has business quite often in this neighborhood. End of chapter 7 Recording by Patty Cunningham